123rd Psalm, which is uh, like halfway in, in your Bible there. And um, I don't have a title for the series other than the 23rd Psalm. So if you, we're almost done. So if you have an idea, let me know now, since next week we're done with it. Um, We've been talking about kind of how this psalm is divided into two different sections. That the first one is David almost like talking to an audience saying, um, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. It's kind of like telling, telling you about him. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And then, and then it, right smack dab in the middle, it turns... And David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And now David begins to turn his attention to, um, to God and it becomes really personal. And then we get to this next verse that even drives that kind of intimacy uh, 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 home even more. Uh, about seven years ago, Lisa and I had Lisa's whole family over for Christmas and um, there was like a thousand of them. And uh, no, it, it wasn't quite that much. But um, once we knew it was going to be at our house, the planning started. And, and, and this, this was a Christmas dinner and the planning started in like June uh, and, and, and emails going back and forth and who's bringing what and what's going to be the thing. And we wanted it to be perfect. As a matter of fact, we set out the best time. I have a picture of it here. That's it right there. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, so um, I had to build three tables. I'm not kidding. We, did, we only had a round table. I had to build those. Now, for those of you who know how good I am at that kind of stuff, you don't want to be putting your fine china on it, typically. Um, but we, it survived somehow. But it's 22 linear feet of table for the 22 people that were there. And then uh, you can see Grandma's head right there. Um, she's, she's, she's no longer with us, but uh, her china, that's her china there. I mean, we just, everything had to be perfect. And, and, and so we'd have these conversations. I mean, they just kept going on and on and on about this meal, this meal, this meal, this meal. And, and the thing is, do you know why we did it? It's because we love our family we love having them over we love to ha having fun with them we love preparing things for them we love our family and it's with that in mind that David now begins to say he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies now to, to you and I food like to the American mind food has just become kind of this thing we rushed through. The other day, I was driving down the 110 freeway, um, eating an animal-style double-double while I was driving, okay? And before you judge me, <laughs> I'm still a better driver than most people, even while I'm eating, okay? So just get off me. 
But I mean, this is like, this is what food has become. It's, you know, we have fast food, we have all this, but to the Hebrew mind, to, 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 for thousands of years prior to where we are now, the meal was very important. The whole Bible is filled with meals and food, and God has designed this. Um, some of my best memories are around food, right? But not so much the food, but the people I'm with, the experience I'm with. This is why small groups are so, this is why in a small group, the most important person is the one with the gift of hospitality. Forget the teacher, they're a dime a dozen. You can get on the internet and find anything you want on teaching, but a good cook, you can't get that off the internet. That's why some small groups will just grow because the person's like, I don't know what I do with all these ribs. And it's like, yeah, what are we having next week? Because food, there's something about food. There's something about dining with somebody that brings the level of relationship a little bit deeper. I don't know if you've experienced that as well. And this is where David is coming from. He says, you prepare a table before me. We are going to enter into conversation, enter into relationship. You've actually thought about me for months, and now I walk in, and here it is set out. This is where David is going with this. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you the kind of the main point for this morning that hopefully we can just kind of resonate on this all during the week. God always has something prepared always. God knew you before you were born, and he knew the situations you were going to be in, and in every situation we have, we we encounter, he has got something prepared, either a way of escape, uh, peace when we don't understand it, uh, wisdom, uh, he's just got something prepared, and yet with my fast food mentality, Sometimes I zip right by what he has prepared for me because I just want to be done. I just want to be done with it. I just want a quick meal and then I'm out. And so uh, I want to I read this one section of scripture. It's really cool. It's in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are God's workmanship. We're, he's crafted us. He's made us. He, he formed us, the Bible says. The Bible says he formed us. He, he knit us together in our mother's womb. He knew you before you knew you and before anyone knew you. He knew about you. He made you. You are his workmanship. Your hand, he made it you're looking at me his eyes that he he, that he pulled them out of a drawer i don't know what he does i don't know how he does it right he made you he knew about you and he's prepared things for you listen to this created in christ jesus to do good works which god prepared in advance for us to do see god always has something prepared that that work situation you have that you're gonna have to hit right tomorrow God's got something prepared for that. That situation at home, God's got something prepared. The situation with the neighbors, God's prepared something for us. And yet for me, it's just wanting to blow through it. When we eat at our house, um, there's a movie, Gone in 60 Seconds, and that's my goal for my meals, is, is I just inhale the food. Everything is fast. It's like, it's like Lisa will make something and I go, and this is what I do just in case <clears throat> I'm at your house and you're wondering, I have a rhyme and reason to everything. I eat the thing I don't like first and then I end with the thing I like the most. So if we go out for sushi, I will end with a salmon sushi. 
because that's my favorite, right? So, so, but it's a, it's a system and there's a checkered flag and there's a winner and a loser. And when I eat, I want to win. I want it to be, spe- I want Lisa there with a, you know, yes, a new eating world record, right? But this isn't, this isn't how the Bible's written. It's not written to my mind. It's written to the Hebrew mind. And so I started looking, I started thinking, all the things that pertain to table manners have to do with my quiet time, my time with God. Like everything my parents taught me growing up about eating pertains to my spiritual life. Now I'll go, I'll go through a few and then we'll, we'll, uh, I'll talk a little bit about it. I wrote down here, just kind of asked a question. What if we treated our time with God like a meal? Like, like what if, what if we, we, in the morning, when we got up and we went to the Bible, we, we treated it not like just something to get through, like I'm just gonna, I, I'm gonna read the Bible, or when we go to bed at night, we, we treated it like, kind of like we were showing that picture before, like we were invited somewhere, and that somebody had prepared something for us. Would, would our time with God look differently? And I started going through this, and I started realizing, man, I this is how I approach a lot of times my relationship with God is I just try to rush through things instead of slowing down and really savoring what God has prepared. You know, the the 23rd Psalm starts out with this idea of sheep and a shepherd and uh, this idea of preparing a table. The The shepherd, when they moved from one ground to another, would go ahead of the sheep and set up this table, this mesa, and, and, and so if there were poisonous plants, he'd remove them. He'd go and look at what the water supply was. And if, there were, if things were dirty, he'd open things up or he'd dam things up to make these quiet waters. He'd go and prepare this field for the sheep. This is the idea of this good shepherd. In the same way, God has gone before you. Listen, to whatever situation you're facing right now, he has gone before you and he has prepared something for you. It's amazing to think that our God, who sits out of time, would care enough to prepare something for us. But this is what David's saying. And there are some of I mean, even as I look out, I know this community, there are some people going through some really crummy stuff. You know, God's prepared a table before you, right in the presence of that enemy, right in the midst of what you're going through. And oftentimes, I just want it to be over with. I want to just g- give me what I need, God. I got things to do, and I just rush off. So I wrote down just four things. And for fun, if you want, you can write on your flap some other uh, table manners you learned as a kid and just uh, put them in the back there like a little mess. Like if, you, if I miss one, and maybe you can even write of what that would mean uh, just for fun for those of you who get bored. Um, but check this out. Eat what's on your plate. You ever have parents that tell you to eat what's on your plate? When I grew up, um, I would do that gagging thing like I was gonna, like I was gonna throw up. Did every kid do that? Like where you'd eat it and, the, and, your, and your job was to actually not throw up because you didn't want to, but it was to get to a point where your parents could see you're killing me right now. You want me to die. And my thing was Brussels sprouts. My mom would make Brussels sprouts. I'm telling you, they are the nastiest. It's like, it's like, it's like a, a, a little stomach bile ball. I mean, they're like the nastiest 
ugh. And, and so my mom would make them, and, and you know, she was really into health food, so she'd barely cook the thing because you, you, you cook all the nutrients out of it. I might cook everything out of it. Like, just make it so it doesn't exist. But I hated Brussels sprouts. <laughs> now, we are raising, well, you raise sheep, but we're growing Brussels sprouts in our garden. I love Brussels sprouts. I can't get enough of them. Lisa could cook up a whole thing of Brussels sprouts. Why? Because my my tastes have changed. I've matured. I've grown up. And so oftentimes God will give us something, listen, that we don't want to eat. We want him to prepare a table of donuts for us. We want him to prepare a table of, you know, crisp. We, we come in. I mean, when we imagine God's prepared a table, it's just like, and then we dip the donut in the whipped cream and we throw on the thing. And, all this, and God says, no, you need to eat this. And, and for those of you who have kind of grown up and eaten what God has given you, you acquire a taste for it. And all of a sudden, when God prepares something in a situation, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I do need that. I do need to slow down. I've been avoiding that for far too long. Now I'm going to eat it. And God strengthens us with this because he's prepared a table before us. He knows what we need. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he's prepared beforehand for us to do. And oftentimes I'll open the Bible and there's something that says right there, right smack, it's talking right to me and I'm like, no. I'll try and figure my way out of it. But it's just so clear and God says, eat it. It's gonna make you stronger. Sometimes we go through things in life that are painful and, 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 and we just want it to be done and God says, you can do this, take it. Some scriptures are really hard to read and God says, taste and see. It's good. It's going to be good for you. Eat what's on your plate. The second thing is chew your food. Um, I think that's my problem. I don't actually chew. I take a bite. I bite, but then the food's gone because I've, my parents call it inhale, you know, you inhale your food, which yes, absolutely I do. Right? But, but what they, you know, you, you heard all the things. If you chew your food, you don't eat as much. And I'm like, well, then what's the use? Right? You know, but you, you got, you, you chew your food and then that does all these things in your brain and all this kind of stuff. The same thing goes when God prepares something for us. I don't want to chew it. I just want to get it. What is it? Oh, that's good. Great. Thanks. I'm on my way. And off I go. But God wants us to look into his word. He's prepared something for us to sit and stop and savor and learn. One of my favorite verses that kind of puts this together, and I think I've used used it here before, is in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 29. And this is the verse, if you're a Christian and somebody cusses, this is the verse you'd like shove in their face to show them not to cuss. You know, don't let any unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, except that which is good for edification. You know, just make sure you do that. You got to really get both fingers at them, right? This is the one you'd use, okay? But that's fast food. That's easy. I mean, is that the goal that we don't cuss? And what kind of goal is that? But see, this is a meal prepared by God. This one verse is a full course meal that we stop and chew and think and say, God, really, this is... I didn't know you could do that. Watch this. So instead of just let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, 
Do not let, hmm, you just sit on that for a minute. Do not let. That means that we can let. That means we're in control of something. And God's saying, do not, meaning I don't want it out of control. And you're the one who can control it. So I've got this thing, my mouth, my speech, that God wants me to control. And he's telling me right now, you better get it under control. Okay, so do not let any. Ah, really? Any? Did you have to put that in the meal? Can we cross that out? I don't even like that stuff. Those are asparagus. They make me sick. They're stringy and they get stuck in my throat. Ah, right? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Well, I only have one mouth. And that says mouths. That's because it's written to a community of believers. Now all of a sudden it's deeper. Now all of a sudden my speech, I'm part of a community of people. And what God wants is a community of people who control their mouths and don't let any unwholesome talk come out that we would be set apart. It's getting bigger than just don't cuss. Now it's becoming something very important as I chew on this verse. I'm in control to not let anything come out of my mouth because I'm part of this community. But only more restrictions. I mean, am I allowed to say anything? But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Now my speech gets refined by, I'm not allowed to say anything unwholesome. I'm part of this biblical community, and now I have to start saying stuff that only has to do with other people's needs. Half of my speech is about my needs. That means half my speech has to stop. I don't like this verse at all. This is a crummy verse. It goes on, that it may benefit those who listen. You mean there's people listening? Yeah. Control your speech. That is chewing on your food. That is looking and asking questions and going before God and saying, what did you put in this? This is really good. Or, ooh, well, I really have to, yes, you really have to eat it. You need, you're lacking vitamin D or whatever it is. Uh, one, of the, one of my favorite verses in Psalm 77, 12, and it gives this idea of, of being sitting at the table with God. When, when my family sits at the table, Lisa does a really good job of trying to get us to eat dinner as often together as we possibly can. And so the conversation that happens at those dinners are the things that really are, are important, although the cooking, of course, is fantastic. Um, but it's the conversations that happen, and it's the stories that we tell. And it's, you know, usually they're asking me stories about my childhood, which has to do with principal's offices and water balloons and all sorts of stuff like that. And they love hearing those stories. And then it ends with usually um, me wadding up a napkin and trying to shoot it into one of the kids' glasses. And then it really ends with Lisa making me stop. Um, but check this out. Think of, think of David, you know, around the, fam- the table with his family. You know, that, that, that table, the, 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 the tables I made. Did I mention I made those tables? Yeah, 22 linear feet of them. Did I mention that? Okay, good. Those tables... It, the food was great, but it's the stories, it's the laughter, it's the fun, it's the knocking over of something, and oh, it's all the inside jokes, and this relationship, this intimacy. And watch what David writes in Psalm uh, 77. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your deeds. 
Like, remember the time when, remember when you, you ever do that when you're with your family? Remember when we went to this? Remember when we did this? And, and, and it's, that, it's that relationship. This is the idea of chewing your food, of slowing down with your time with God. And go, remember when we were in those financial problems and you rescued us from that? Remember when we went through that really dark time when we had a death and, and you brought me, remember that? Oftentimes we want these new things with God. What amazes me about the Old Testament is how often there's written about coming out of Egypt. It's like it comes over and over and over and over and it says, remember, 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 remember. I need to slow down in my time with God and just go, man, let me just think about what you've done in my life over the past five years. Let me just muse your deeds. Of course, you don't have to use that word since nobody uses that word really anymore. Uh, But you can fit one in there. Chew your food. Number three, don't talk with your mouth full. Uh, That's another one I got. And it's another one that I'm notorious for in my times with God. We have a friend who... um, is this, you know, kind of self-proclaimed culinary expert. I don't know if you've ever met one of these people, but they have, they like know everything about food and everything's food and they, they, they have, a, that's all they talk about is food. And, um, and uh, they travel, you know, around and they talk about food and food and food and food. The problem is this, our friend can't be quiet and so while they're talking about food, they're going, oh, yeah, no, I was over at the, this restaurant. It was, it was awesome. And, and you can see their food. And it makes you not want to eat your food because it's just flopping around in there because that's all they're doing is yakking about food and all the food they've got. And this is about food and this food, and it drives you crazy. And you know what? That's exactly my quiet time. I, I come in to this time with God and I just start yakking. Oh, and then I want this. And then, you know, Lord, help me. You know, okay, okay, you know, you, you're so good. I'm, I'm going on. And then when I'm done talking, quiet time's over and I leave. Like, could you imagine you build three tables? Like, let's say somebody built three tables for the for a thing. <laughs> And, and you plan this thing and everybody shows up and they all come and they're like, oh man, traffic was terrible. And they go through and then they just leave. And you're like, man, I prepared this thing. I built three tables, 22 linear feet and they're gone. <laughs> That's totally me. I started going through like the last, my last four times, five times, six times that I was in the presence of almighty God who's prepared something for me and I wouldn't shut up and listen to him. This one got me. Ecclesiastes 5.2 says this thing. This is a terrible, these are asparagus right here. I don't like this one. Do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Why do I yak so much? Now, I'm, I'm glad that he accepts me for who I am. But I wonder this week, as I enter into those times with him, if I would do better just to be quiet and just kind of absorb what he's prepared for me instead of talking so much. And if I'm gonna talk so much, leave enough time for him to talk 
And so for me, like this one was the one where I was like, oh, I'm just like, I was thinking about some of my prayer times where it's just like, blah, 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 blah. I was going on and on. I'm like, oh, great, thanks for meeting with me, God, and off I go. And he's like, uh, you know, well, I, if you just, I saw that, you know, it's like one of those things, right? And he says, let you, therefore, let your words be few. Man, I just, I just love that one. God, almighty God, has prepared this table before me in the presence of my enemies. The situation that I'm in, right there in the midst of it. Can I, can I eat everything he's prepared? Can I say, okay, God, I don't want to go through this, but you know what? I'm in your presence. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to eat it. Can I chew my food? Can I go, man, it, am I going through this for a reason? Am I, is there something in your word you want me to know? And then can I not talk with my mouth full? Can I just kind of listen? Can I meditate? Can I muse on stories about God? This is, this is I'm excited about w- my, my times with God in the coming days because I think he's really spoken a lot to me on, uh, on this. And then number four, uh, ask to be excused. Uh, in our home, when you're done with the meal, that's your ticket to leave the table. Uh, and then this happens all the time. They, the kids will finish and then they'll leave and then we'll call them back and say, you need to ask to be excused. I don't know if anyone else does this. But, and then they go, can I be excused? And we go, yeah. Like, <laughs> like it wasn't even that we really wanted them there. It's just that we wanted them to, you just can't eat and get up and go, right? Well, I started thinking about this in my time with God. Like, and it goes with kind of talking with your mouth full. Do, do I say, well, that's all the time we have. See ya. Or do I go, God, is there anything else you want to show me? Like maybe I should schedule more time so that I've got time that when he says, no, I really don't want you to leave, I'm not all chomping at the bit to get out of there. Maybe my time with God should be dictated by how long he wants me to sit at the table. God's prepared a table for me. God's always got something prepared for me. And if I can just enter into the situation and say, God, what, what is it? What do you want me to have? How long do you want me to be here? I'd really like to go do this now. What do you think? I think for myself, I'd see a real deepening in my time with him. That it's not just about a quick fix. It's not just about, oh, that tasted good, I'm gone. But it's this community with him, this, 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 this dinner with God who's prepared this experience for me. This idea of um, being together goes on as the, as the verse continues. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You've anointed my head with oil. This is just such a Hebrew picture. I mean, like for us, we're like anoint your head with oil. What what does that even mean? Well, it's such a rich concept, especially with David as a shepherd. What would often happen with these sheep? Sheep can't stand flies. They get all jittery when there's flies. Because what happens is these flies, these nose flies, go up into the nose. This is so disgusting. You guys are going to love it. Um, They go up into the nose in that soft, mucousy tissue, and they lay their eggs in there. Which, I don't know about you, but that is the biggest fear of my entire life, that an insect would lay eggs in me somehow. Like, oh, like one time, um, I was sleeping, and... um, I was sleeping and I felt something crawl into my ear. 
Now, now you have no idea like how deep this fear goes for me. I don't know if I saw a movie or what, but like, ah, so I felt it crawl into my ear. At least we'll attest to this. I got up, it's middle of five, three o'clock in the morning. I got up and stood on the bed and started hitting myself in the ear. You're like, like striking blows to my own ear to kill this, what, which in my brain was this thing that was just like, you know, like, like this burrowing thing, you know? And so I'm just like, you know, and Lisa wakes up and she's just like, this is, this is what I knew was going to happen. He's lost his mind. And I'm just like, it's in my ear. It's in my ear, right? Well, this is what happens to these sheep, okay? It gets in their nose. And it starts getting, and they start going crazy, and they start like ramming themselves into the ground, into a tree, anything they can to get this to stop. And it's, they know this inherently. So when there's bugs, when there's flies around, they scatter, they get all, this is so much like my own life. We're like, there's something, and I'm like, oh no. You know, if this thing happens, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and it's like this thing burrows in and starts laying eggs and freaking me out. Well, what a good shepherd would do is he'd take this oil, this like tar and olive oil, and it would make like a paste and he'd put it on the nose of the sheep and immediately they calm down because they know those bugs aren't gonna, they they don't like the smell of it and they stay away and they calm down. From a shepherd in sheep's view, this is what happens when we go into the presence of God. As he's prepared a table before us, as he said, hey, come on in. And, and the other picture is that this is what would happen if I invited, if I was alive during this time and I invited you over, you would come and someone would wash your feet and they'd give you oil to kind of like freshen up because it's dry. And so, and it would make you look presentable. It's why they say when you fast, put oil, anoint yourself with oil. Look good. Okay, come on. Don't go out with no makeup on or whatever when you're fasting. You know, come on, look presentable. This is that idea. And so it's like when we come to God, he anoints us with the oil of the Holy Spirit and those little things don't bother us anymore. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And, I mean, those are the things when God anoints you with his Holy Spirit, when we enter into his presence, it's not just an eat and run thing. It's we show up. When Jesus, uh, uh, in, during his ministry, he went over to somebody's house and uh, was having dinner, and they would recline. I mean, it would just, it, it's like, again, a meal was like a de- uh, this, this deal. Huh? Um, it was a meal deal. No. Um, and, and so this woman comes to Jesus, this sinner, and he, she starts crying on him and wiping him with her hair and putting expensive perfume on. And, and everyone's standing around going, man, does he not know that she's a sinner? But see, this, that was the picture of what the meal was supposed to look like. That's the picture of what our relationship with God is supposed to look like. And they're rebuking Jesus. And then Jesus turns around and rebukes them and says, you know what, when I got here, nobody kissed me on the cheek. And yet she's been kissing me this whole time. Nobody washed my feet. And yet she's washing my feet with her hair and her tears. And then he says, nobody anointed me with oil. But she's been anointing me with this perfume. That idea, the idea of anointing us with oil, that God has prepared a time for us. 
He's prepared a table for us that if we would slow down and not try to get over it and not try, and believe me, guys, I'm talking to myself. Like I could be, I'm like, there's a mirror right here. If I would just slow down, I think I would experience God in a much deeper way as he prepares this table before me. He anoints my head with oil. He says, listen, let's just sit back and talk for a while. Remember the time when you were all upset about that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember how I did? Oh, yeah, doggone it. He anoints my head with oil. And then David goes on. And he says, it's just, I mean, this picture David is painting is just glorious. He's prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. In other words, the circumstances don't mean a thing. We are with God at that point. It doesn't matter what predators lie in wait. We are with God. And he anoints our head with oil. In other words, he's invited us to stay. And then it says, my cup overflows. What they would do, um, uh, kind of let you in on some Hebrew etiquette. If you were over at my house and we were all eating and I kept refilling your cup, it meant I want you to stay. If I didn't refill your cup, it means I want you to leave. <laughs> like, or I'm getting tired. It was just kind of a way to just go, you know, yeah, they haven't really come by with the cups. It's probably getting late, you know. Hey, okay, see you later. I don't know what they did when you wanted one person to stay and one person to go. And so like you keep filling theirs up, but you're like, yeah, whatever, you'll, you'll be fine. Like, I don't know how you did that. But when you really loved a guest and you basically wanted to say, stay as long as you want, you'd fill their cup and it would overflow on the table. And there would be that constant reminder that you can stay as long as you want. Now, check this out. This is the table that our Heavenly Father has prepared for us. He says, look, here's, what I want. here's the meal I've prepared for you. It's exactly what you need for this situation. And let me anoint you, calm down. Let me anoint your head with oil. Forget about what was outside, the dry, arid thing, the dirt, the, just you're here with me now. And you can stay as long as you want. Now after that, why in the world would I have five minutes of, of God in the morning and get in my car and leave? That's the question I'm asking myself during the week. Well, why would I wait? Why would I, God's, made three tables 22 feet long uh i don't know no right he's put the best china on he's got it all set up he's been thinking about what he's going to create for all of eternity and he prepares it and i walk by "Mm, oh thanks a lot i really appreciate it i'm gonna go work out and off i go now it doesn't make god's not sitting there like ooh, i ain't making nothing anyway he doesn't he's not upset he's got You know what he's doing? He's going, oh man, if you had just waited, I had this. But you just got what you wanted and you're gone. I hope next time you wait because I've got this thing for you. 